Hey, so how's it going? It is going. How are you? <laughs> it came and went and it's starting over again. I know. <sighs> yep. Goodness. What a I week. It's only Monday. It's only Monday. <laughs> I did, however, Saturday I had a um, market where I set up and sold my soap and that went really well. <laughs> Yay. And so I will take that all day long. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, I, as our Patreon family already knows, I, I got a new phone this weekend, unexpectedly. I was like bragger, but I know the story, so no. it's definitely not bragging. <laughs> no, it's not bragging. But I also just checked my insurance website, and it looks like the estimate for my car is finally on there, which means hopefully it's going to get fixed and I'll get it back. Good. I didn't realize you were still dealing with all that. Yeah. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Life to be is you. grand. Life is grand. Yeah. Okay. And on top of everything, you made me watch a movie that was three hours long. Now, to be fair, it was three one-hour episodes. So it was a miniseries at its first airing. But you're welcome. Mm-hmm. I know you're excited about it. Yeah. It was really long. Oh, goodness. Um, Sorry, I was just responding to Anna's message. Yeah. Fuck. I hate everything. <clears throat> okay. So this week I watched Seduced by Madness. The Diane something story. Borchardt. Yes, Borchardt. And this I was like, Keaton, no. No. <laughs> this movie is like star studded. It is. So it stars Anne Margaret. I actually know who she is. Because she was in Bye Bye Birdie. Because <laughs> she was in everything. Well, yeah. But she was in Bye Bye Birdie. That's where most people will know her from. Um, she was also in Made in Paris, Carnal Knowledge. She was in Grumpy Old Men. Uh-huh. Um, she plays Diane. We have... Peter Coyote, he plays Ruben. You will know. I'm gonna guess that you know him. Okay. Do you know off the top of your head? No. He was in a walk to remember. He played Mandy Moore's dad. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was also in Bitter Moon, Patch Adams, Aaron Brockovich. So I mean, just a couple of like tiny little independent films for you there right um, right <laughs> leslie hope she plays claire she's in lost in space lie exposed station 19 suits ncis and blue bloods actually everyone on this list basically did a stint on blue bloods right um christian Side campbell um, and Margaret, for no apparent reason, kept conjuring scenes of the Santa Claus for me. So then I was like, yes. why? She was the, she's Carol's mom in Santa Claus 3. Yes, she But is. like, I was like tearing IMDb apart just now. Like, why would I associate those two things together? So there we go. There you go. <laughs> um, Christian Campbell, he plays, he has a name in this movie, but I don't, hold on. His name is. Mm, I don't know. He's I just call him the head boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> um, he's from Trick, Reefer Madness, The Good Fight, True Detective, and Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is. Hattie Barres, she plays Brooke. 
Um, she was in the movie Valentine, and he's just not that into you. Oh, okay, <laughs> I've seen both of those. But she actually does a lot of voice work for the Final Fantasy games. I okay. Who is she in the Final Fantasy games? That's what I need to know. That I did not write down, so you'll have to look. Um, we also have Toby Maguire. Really? He plays Chuck. You will know him from Spider Man. Brothers, Wonder Boys, Seabiscuit, Pleasantville, etc., etc., etc. He's just who was, a couple of things. Who was his? Remember the early days of memes? There were memes about him being in a bromance. Who was he in the bromance with in the oh, early days? Balls. I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, other notable people in this movie: Eric Dane. Danny Masterson. Really? McSteamy? Danny Masterson? Lots of people. Amy Smart. Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. Freddie Rodriguez from Six Feet Under. And Kurt Fuller from Ghostbusters 2 and Wayne's World. Listen, I don't know why you're complaining. You at least had good actors to watch. I had to watch it on YouTube on my laptop. That's why I'm complaining. (laughs) Leo DiCaprio. That's who the uh, That's right. He and Leo did have a bromance. That's true. Okay, so we open on Easter morning in 1994. It's very windy and there's sinister music playing as a car pulls into a driveway. A woman voiceover is that the front door will be unlocked and there is a gun cabinet inside. It says to take the shotgun out of the cabinet down to the basement where he sleeps and then do it. Make it look like a robbery and then leave. So three guys are outside the house trying to break in, but the door isn't unlocked like the woman said it would be. The guys argue over whether they really want to do this, but I guess they decide to go ahead because they go inside. A man is downstairs getting dressed. He walks up the stairs over a step that's covered in glass jars and is met at the top by our merry band of criminals who shoot him. Great. Off to a great start. Seven months earlier, we're at a school. We see kids getting off the bus and running around the parking lot and a teacher walking into the building. She's grading papers and catches a guy's eye and gives him her little, like, come here finger, which, no. Mm-mm. No. Like, you're a teacher. Is that appropriate to do to a student? Ne- literally never. Right. Um, she tells the student that she missed him. Ew. And then shows him what they've done to her. Someone else got a promotion over her. Absolutely something you should complain to your students about. Um, lady, you're canceled. Oh, she's going to be so canceled. By this. <laughs> um, we show her later congratulating the woman who that got the promotion over her. They're talking when the woman notices that someone egged her brand new car. Crazy. Um, it was her, it was the other girl's student, Diane. It's Diane's students. Um, Across town, Ms. Teacher goes to pick up her daughter from school. When they get home, she stares down her husband and stepchildren before going inside. Uh, This woman is a real peach. She tells her husband that she works all day. When she comes home, all she wants is dinner on the table. Is that too much to ask? I mean, listen, sometimes at the end of dealing with snot-nosed brats, you do come home and all you want is dinner on the table. Yeah, but you but, don't okay. voice that out loud. You just think those words and you husband. <laughs> yes, it is too much to ask. She accuses her stepson of stealing a jar of peanut butter out of the cupboard. 
And this lady needs a clonopin. She starts freaking out and slamming doors and then storms out of the house. The stepdaughter says as soon as she can get things together, she's moving out. And then she opens the cupboard and finds the peanut butter sitting right where it should be. Maybe they have a poltergeist. Maybe. Did I ever tell you about the poltergeist at my old house? Yes. He hid the peanut butter for me and Sarah one time. Yes. We found it a week later in the place where we'd looked for it. <laughs> Asshole. That happens to me all the time. Um, later, her husband comes upstairs and kisses her. And she says, quote, you know, I don't like that kind of stuff. And I was like, what stuff? Sex? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. I, I I don't understand people that don't like sex. Sex is amazing. If you don't like sex, it's because you're doing it wrong. Um, so this seems like a super healthy marriage. She calls him Rube the Boob, and then they both go to sleep. That, I, I'm sorry. Is she, in fact, 12 yeah. Dating her boyfriend on the playground? Yeah. Did they have a fight on the jungle gym over who got the last box of nerds out of the Valentine's box? Basically. Um, okay. So, uh, Ruben has a dream about his first wife that night, and he seems much happier in his dreams. Um, but also the the wife gets hit on. Hit, hit on. <laughs> in his dream? <laughs> no, she gets hit by a truck. Not oh. hit on. <laughs> <laughs> she got oh, hit on my Mack truck. Damn. God bless. Okay. That that eighteen wheeler really rolled up and they were like, "Hey, baby, let me see that dumb truck." Beep beep. Like. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. So she gets hit by a truck and dies while the whole family like watches. Casual. Yeah. So Ruben goes to a house to measure cabinets the next day, like you do. Um, apparently, when she's not a teacher, Diane, his wife, runs a sweatshirt shop. I thought you were going to say a sweatshop. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, a God. Why make you watch? shop. Why is that a thing? Why do Let's- you need a whole store for sweatshirts? I was about to ask you, was this in the 80s? Like, I didn't do the research to this know the time the period. Because <laughs> <laughs> if she was, like, single-handedly funding every, or, like, costuming every music video filmed in the 80s, then I would say, like, it makes sense. But she wasn't. No. Um, Ruben tells... Oh, Ruben tells the lady at the house that he's working on that he remembers her from two years ago pushing a baby on a swing. And I was like, that's weird and creepy. So. um, um Where is he going with this? Or did he just like, oh, hey, I remember. Mm-hmm. So he and the lady, I assume he's going to sleep with later, Claire, work okay. on blueprints and flirt. She gives him a piece of her pumpkin pie. Um, Please tell me it's not euphemistic pie because I'm real it's hungry. Not euphemistic pie. Okay. Um, he and Diane later, when he gets home, fight about glasses for one of the kids, and she tells him that maybe he could make more money, and then they wouldn't have to do the have to have these fights. And then she clocks him in the head with a pricing gun. Um. Well, lady, you're going to be broke if your husband has to go to the ER because you're an idiot. Um, I'll have you know he has one hundred thousand dollars of life insurance, which would last all of like 
I don't know. Six days. Six months. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Ruben goes to work on his job and he tells Claire, the lady he's working on the house for, all about his marital woes and how much he hates his wife. And she tells him how much she hates her husband. Oh, good. They're commiserating over pie. But she calls her husband, quote, a good man who doesn't hit me or anything. And I was like, ooh, the bar is so low, guys. It's so low. (laughs) You just, like, you don't even have to, like, pick your leg up very high to get over that one. Nope. Um, Like, I have to lift my leg higher to tie my shoe because, y'all, I'm too fat to bend all the way over to tie my shoe. So I have to meet myself halfway. But (laughs) you don't even have to. Okay. Listen, if... If that's all it takes to be a good man, I am a great husband. Dr. Sarah, you are very blessed. She just ignored me. She gonna run you over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh So, meanwhile, a few months later, Ruben finishes the project and tells Claire how much he's enjoyed their talks and how he's going to miss them. And then he kisses her cheek and he's like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. And he runs away. But then... She turns this to watch really him. is 12 year old dating. Yeah. Then she turns to watch him leave out the window. He comes back, he spins her around and they kiss big ones. They kiss big. One. This is not a phrase I've ever heard before, but I like oh, it. You have not been listening to deck the hallmark lately. That's my favorite new phrase from that show. I have not kissing lately. big ones. It's the best back at school. A student brings Diane a note saying that he's going to get kicked out of school. If he's absent again. But Diane's like, don't sweat it. I'll take care of it. And then she gives him bedroom eyes. So that's a, that's a thing that I watched today. And Margaret giving a 17-year-old bedroom eyes? Yeah. Was it Toby Maguire? Because that's the only way that this could be better in no, my head. No, Toby Maguire is her stepson. Um, Ew, never mind. Yeah. Ruben and his lady friend Claire meet in the woods to make out and talk about their relationship. He proposes to her and says that... He'll wait as long as it takes for her to decide to leave her husband because they belong together. Hey, guy, I have I have a news flash for you. Mm. You have some unfinished business, Casper. <laughs> <laughs> um fast forward to December 1993. Diana's going through her stepdaughter's things looking for a necklace. And she finds a photo, and my screen was too small to see what the photo was of, and so she rips it up apart. And I was like, "Cool, that happened." Oh, it was like I'm just going to off the cuff say it was two bears dancing in the circus. One was holding a tiny little umbrella. One sure. was wearing a party hat. Okay. And she was very passionate about animal rights. Okay. It was the girl and her mom because she destroyed all evidence of the first wife in the oh, house. Ah, that's okay. So they go to a Christmas party and Reuben and Claire dance together while Diane glares daggers at them. Claire runs off into the coat closet and Reuben chases her and she says she can't do this anymore. So the answer is yes, she'll marry him. And now they both just have to get, you know, divorced. So... <laughs> That was not the turn I expected it to take. I mean, I know the story, but like, I don't start with, I can't do this anymore to end with, yes, I'll marry you. I'll marry you. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, That is a thing. Diane confronts Ruben later and asks if he's cheating. And he says that he is, and he loves someone else. And she just cries. It's the sex, isn't it? And I just wrote, I mean, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um. 
she begs him not to leave her for reasons. I don't know why. They both seem like miserable people when they're together. She changes tactics and tells him he's not going to do this to her and to get out of her house. So the kids help Ruben move into the basement and he tells them that things are going to be different now on from now on because he's met someone else that he loves and he and Diane are getting divorced. His kids are overjoyed. They pull out the emergency party supplies they've been hiding in the ba- basement for this moment. A banner like, that just says, yes! divorce. <laughs> um, now I have a question. Okay. She said, get out of my house. So he went to the basement. Mm-hmm. I have never lived in a place where basements are allowed. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't think you have either. No. Are basements not part of the house? I think they are. I think that I think that he left that night and then they negotiated that he moved into the basement because it is oh, okay. his house. Gotcha. He built the house. So um, meanwhile, Diane goes back to school and sobs in front of her class like all responsible adults do. Um So all her little student boyfriends come up and ask her what's wrong. And she's like, I can't tell you my problems. It's not appropriate. But then they all just keep standing there. She tells them to go sit down and they all do, except the the lead boyfriend who asks if she can just talk to him. So she chokes out, my husband wants a divorce. And then he's leaving her for another woman. And she runs out of the room crying and he chases after her, asking her what she wants him to do. And she's like, it's just like when your father left your family. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not the same at all. I'm I'm so uncomfortable by this whole exchange. Because like, sir, you are 17 years old. What I want you to do is sit down and finish your daily oral language and diagram that sentence. That's what yeah, I want. In, in context to these two, can we just not say the word oral at all? <laughs> Thank you. Um, then she says that Ruben hits her, which he does not. And then she kisses him. So that, that happened. Um, now it's Christmas week and Ruben is visiting with his lawyer. The boyfriends are hanging out at a diner talking about how they want to beat Ruben up and also take pictures of him and Claire doing it. So Diane can get money in the divorce. What is that? What is that? They're so 17. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Also, like, can you imagine sitting around with your friends and you're like, I know how we'll get him. We'll take pictures of him boning. Oh, (laughs) damn. And then they do that thing. (laughs) Don't ever do that thing again. What is that thing called? I don't know. In, in Kilmore, it looked like it. they were trying to pack tobacco, chewing tobacco, yes. but without a snuff can. That's what I always thought it was. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, that was like a recovered memory. I've not yeah. seen anybody do that in years, yes. but it just like came naturally. <laughs> oh, my God. So Ruben brings Claire home to show her around the house. Um, the boyfriends are taking pictures of them in the backyard. Diane shows her worker Shannon the photos and tells her that she wants Ruben dead. So she goes to see her head boyfriend to seduce him. Excellent. She tells him. I mean, him it's right there in the title. We knew it was coming at some point. She lets him drive her car and he says he'll do anything for a car like that. And I was like, a, a Buick? <laughs> it's not it's like a fancy car. <laughs> So she drives him back to her place and then they 
she talks about how horny she is and she floats the idea of him murdering Ruben and then asks him to come inside. She's like, there's so much happening right now. I don't even know what to think. <laughs> this poor little boy, this poor little boy is going to think that's how sex talk works after this. Like, aside from all the other implications of well, all this of this. Well, this poor little boy is going to be, spoiler alert, he's going to go to prison for a long time. So nah, he's not going to know a lot about how sex works. Um, So... January 1994, Diana's meeting with her attorney. Reuben wants to keep the house he built, and her attorney is trying to convince her to agree. She accuses Reuben of abusing her again. Um, meanwhile, he's coaching the youngest daughter's basketball game, which is the child they have together. Um, and she calls him, like, the daughter calls him a bastard and runs out of the game. Um Great. And I know I say this all the time, but people who play their kids against the other parent during a divorce are trash. Garbage. I hate it. Um, people who try to play children against adults, period. Yeah. Like I mentioned to you on Patreon, maybe before Patreon, I don't know if I actually mentioned it on Patreon, that the awful phone call I had today, he tried yeah. to use my child against me. And I was yeah. like, you can take several seats and then you can fucking die. Yeah. Ruben mean, gets called into the pastor's office so he can try to convince them not to get divorced. And actually, I think it's a priest, not a pastor, but whatever. Um, he threatens to, uh, the priest threatens to cut him off from the church, which is not how church works. Um, the priest is like, don't be a boob, Rube. Yeah. So he gets let go as the basketball coach and told he cannot take communion anymore. Um, the divorce gets nasty real quick. Diane files for custody of all the kids, um, even the kids that are not hers. Um, they fight about it and she breaks plates. Then she hits him in the face with the phone. Um, big yikes. So finally they go to court. Diane gets custody of her daughter. Ruben gets custody of his kids. Diane gets the business and the cars. Um, and they split assets. So the house that Ruben had before they got married, he gets to keep which is, I mean, it's that's a pretty fair agreement. I, yes. Um, yeah, like that. But, but Diane stands up in the middle of court and screams about how that's not fair. So <laughs> she's like, "I object!" And her lawyer's like, "You can't actually do yeah, do that, ma'am." <laughs> um. So now it's March, and Diane is back in school with her boyfriends. She asks one of them to kill Ruben. Casual. Um, and I guess he's thinking about it. So we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> he's so, like, I mean, I don't have any plans for spring break. Like, So while she's waiting for him to answer her, she goes to Ruben's shop and threatens to cut his dick off. So that's cool. Um, she also calls to check on Ruben's life insurance policy. Again, soups casual. <laughs> she goes to meet her head We've boyfriend in the, there. in the dark of night and tells him that Ruben won everything in the divorce and that she's going to be homeless and lose everything. So now there's only one answer. He has to die. She's just the fucking worst. Yeah. So she gives him her wedding rings and tells him that she'll give him her car. And then she cries some more about it. Um, he, he's like, yes, a cubic zirconia and a Buick. Yes. Damn, I'm rolling. Over at the Peach Pit, the boyfriends all get together and talk about killing Reuben. Claire goes to see Reuben and steps on all the glass jars on the stairs. And he's like, oh, that's my new alarm system. And then he's like, LOL, I'm just kidding. I'm not scared of her. Um, so then why are they there? So then, like, 
Yeah, he's like, she's crazy, but she's not that crazy. And I'm like, oh, buddy. Um, uh, it's April now, and Diane sees Claire jogging down the street, so she chases her. Naturally. I mean, that's right. what I would do. She calls her a whore and a bitch and tells her to keep running. And this is when I would break up with Ruben. Because no man is worth this mess. Right. Listen, it sounds like you're working through a lot. And I think you'll be finished about 2029. So call yeah. me then. And he's yeah. like, it's 1994. And she's like, I can't hear you. I'm already yeah. over you. She's like, yeah, I got to go. Uh, remember when I said my husband didn't hit me? I liked that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that was really romantic. <laughs> so... Later, we cut to Claire cleaning spray paint off her car because someone, not saying Diane, but also definitely Diane, spray painted slut on the side of her car. She and Ruben fight about it. And I was like, finally, are you kidding me? I would be a freaking crazy bitch about that. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. But it would fucking piss me off. You absolutely would. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. That's true. (laughs) Um, So he assures her it's almost over. Um, head boyfriend tells Diane that he's not going to kill Ruben. And so she gaslights him about how she's going to lose everything and how she thought they were friends. She assures him that it will be easy and tells him the instructions we heard from the beginning of the movie. Diane makes plans to go visit, to go visit Ruben's first wife's parents for Easter for reasons. Describe the face I just made at you. Well, I don't know, but someone opened one of your doors and they made a little ding dong right when you yes. made the face, and that was <laughs> That's actually the sound that it, that my brain makes every time I ponder. <laughs> I just didn't realize that I had my audio setting so loud today. Yeah. So head boyfriend tries to recruit friends to help him with the murder, but he is unsuccessful. So Can goes- you ima- you have no chill? Can you imagine going around in the cafeteria like, hey, what are you doing Friday? I heard you want to fucking kill someone. You want to try? I mean, wouldn't it be so funny if we killed someone together? Oh, what, so, if, what if we just... <laughs> so he goes to Diane and tells her, like, he can't do it. But she sways him with the promise of $20,000 of Ruben's $100,000 life insurance policy. And not in a million years would I kill someone for twenty grand. Yeah, like, because 20 grand in the 90s is still, I feel like it can't be more than 45 grand today. No. Um, She gives him a $600 down payment. Oh, good. So not even a percentage of yeah. what. <laughs> so he goes back and starts promising people money to help him murder Ruben, which works. Uh, oh, my God. So he's like, okay, I'm 17. So $20,000 would buy me. Dude, it'd buy me so many feet of bubble tape. I can you imagine it all year? <laughs> okay, so um, head boyfriend is like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm not gonna get caught. And I was like, Oh, honey, baby, sweetie, yes, you are. You're gonna get caught. Um, the cops are just waiting for him at the at the house. <laughs> no, no. So Ruben's daughter, Brooke, comes to visit him and he gives her $6,000 in an envelope that he says he keeps 
quote unquote, just in case. But then he also assures her that nothing bad is going to happen to him. And I'm like, dude, you need to get out. Um, later, he and Diane get into a fight because she and she punches him in the face and then jumps on his back and screams at him to hit her. Um, Diane and her daughter are getting ready to leave. And even the dog doesn't want to go with her. And I, I feel the dog. I, I get it. Um, she goes to the police and files a report saying that Ruben hit her. So the police officer tells them they need to cool it for a few days and maybe one of them should leave the house. So Diane's like, oh, I guess I'll leave. Um, I'll go visit, you know, whoever. And then she chases him down the hall and kisses him. And then whispers in his ear, you're dead. So that's like super romantic. I love it when Sarah does that. When it's a real resistant kiss too. Like when I clearly don't want to be involved and she Mm -hmm. just pushes her face into mine in a very aggressive kind of flat lipped kiss. Mm. Those are the most romantic. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So Ruben is later at home reliving his ex-wife telling him that he's going to die like you like you do, I suppose. Um, and so Diane and her daughter arrive at Ruben's first wife's parents house. Why is she there? Yeah. And she just announces that Ruben beat her up. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Because it would make more sense. Like, I could follow this story if she'd taken Brooke. But not Reagan. Like, Reagan's not related to this woman at all. Like, if she took Brooke or Charlie, then it's like, I brought your grandchildren to see you. Yeah. Later that night, Ruben... Oh, no, I'm sorry. So, meanwhile, our merry band of boyfriends drive to Milwaukee and buy a shotgun. Nothing good happens in Milwaukee. Damn it. Um... They're also like, can I get some extra punctuation real quick? Listen, um, I think we're going to need it for our movie title. Ruben does the quote, if something happens to me tour, which dude, just like leave your house. Like, like go, go. It's not that important. It's not, it just can't be. Um, Later that night, he and Toby McGuire pray. And then he heads to bed after setting up his jar alarm. And so is it just like 18 mason jars lined mm-hmm. up on some steps? On a stair. Mm-hmm. Not even like screws in them for like extra? Uh-uh. Nope. Okay, good. So the boyfriend killers arrive just as Ruben is getting up for Easter sunrise service. As I said before, he's getting dressed and is heading up the stairs when he's shot and killed. He does dramatically scream, no! So they have to shoot him again. <laughs> um, Sorry. This wakes up Toby Maguire, but thankfully he is not harmed. Um, the boyfriends book it out of the house and back to the car. Toby finds Ruben, who is still alive, but barely. He calls 911 and then he calls Claire. Ruben drags himself up the stairs so he can talk to Claire because the phone cord doesn't reach. He tells her to take care of his kids and he'll love he loves her forever. And then he collapses. The ambulance arrive and arrives and they load Ruben up and rush him to the hospital. Shannon, who has also been calling the house all night for whatever reason and then hanging up when someone answers, calls again and a detective answers. So she hangs up the phone. Claire arrives at the hospital to the news that 
Ruben is dead. Um, the boyfriend gang breaks up with the final instructions to not tell anyone anything. So head boyfriend immediately goes to his friend's house and tells him everything. He's like, hey, you want to go out in public and discuss how I just murdered somebody? Yeah. So Ruben's first wife's parents break the news to them that Ruben has been shot. And her daughter's immediate reaction is, they can't prove it was you. There's no evidence. So that's great. That's, in fact, when I die. Because I know all of y'all healthy people are going to outlive me. Miss, I've been mm-hmm. on the elliptical every day or whatever you've been doing. Um when I die in our group chat, I want you to respond. Nobody can prove I did it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I'm going to need you to send me this audio in a separate file so I can save it. <laughs> so, um, everyone immediately thinks that Diane did it because duh. Um, no one can find Diane though. And the police want to talk to her, but she responds asking them to fax her their questions. <laughs> she goes to see her attorney about the life insurance policy immediately. Um, the police are also very suspicious and think that Diane did it. I just want to have this little chill in my life. like. Mm-hmm. So the day of the funeral... Diane's attorney asks everyone to gather at his office. Um, Diane runs and crying about her children who like all scatter away from her. (laughs) She's pissed because she wasn't mentioned in the obituary. Um, (laughs) So her attorney says they're going to file a restraining order and take possession of Ruben's body and sue the funeral home for moving forward with his funeral without her approval, which Okay. Um, The cops, meanwhile, are talking about her again. And one says, that woman's crazy. And the other one says, yeah, like a fox. (laughs) Haven't we discussed this phrase on our podcast before? Yeah. That's still not the phrase. No. So the police figure out that it was probably a kid. And that's a good thing because kids sing like canaries. So the head boyfriend and one of his friends get into a fight. Because head boyfriend ran his mouth. Oh, it's not head boyfriend and his friend. It's head boyfriend and criminal Mike. Mike the criminal, who is like the the kid that's like, he's like Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. He's like the, the troublemaker that hangs out with all the young kids because he has okay. no friends. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, so, yeah. He, they did the murder together. So, um, Diane arrives at the... F- oh, so, yeah. They get into a fight because... Um, head boyfriend ran his mouth and because they don't have any money yet. Diana rises at the funeral in a veil and is swarmed by reporters. When she walks into the church, everyone points and stares at her. She puts on an excellent show crying over his body before um, running out of the church sobbing, except of course, when she lifts her veil, she's not crying at all. Um, Poor Claire watches the graveside service from binoculars because she can't like be close to um Diane and then she like randomly passes out. Ruben's daughter files a wrongful death suit against Diane to tie up the will and the life insurance money. As an added bonus, now Diane has it out for Brooke who is hiding in her house terrified, exactly like I would. Right? Brooke tells Toby Maguire that she's going to move to Madison 
And Toby says he's going to stay and finish school because he only has three more weeks. Diane is ripping up the basement looking for cash, but she can't find it. Claire is not doing well. She's in the hospital. Poor baby. At the school, head boyfriend tells Diane that he needs the money and she gaslights him some more about how she was depending on him and she can't believe he could be so cold as to ask her for money and she can't believe he didn't do this whole thing by himself. Too bad you're standing in the middle of a hallway and someone does overhear them. Maybe you shouldn't yell so loud. I don't know. So the teacher that overhears them calls the police and so does one of the mothers of the boyfriend gang who Diane had take pictures of Ruben. So the police arrive while the boys are in Diane's class. And so on their way out to talk to them, she tells them they don't have to answer anything they don't want to. Um, So the police are like, okay, who could have done this? And all the guys are like, we don't know. But of course they're like, yeah, right. Um, Right. They go back into school and are talking about how they totally also think Diane did it. And they're approached by a young Amy Smart and her friend to tell them that they heard that they were the trigger men. And apparently that's hot or something. Uh, what Mm. yeah like uh, so is it true that you like killed that guy Mm -hmm. because like i had always i kind of always had this dream that like one day i'd hook up with a guy who like knew how to use a gun and so like my number is seven six nine like is that Is that a thing? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I went to high school in the 90s, but that's not what was attractive when I was in school. Um, So Shannon, um, Diane's little worker and slash friend, is like, so what am I supposed to do now? And Diane is like, I don't know what you're talking about. So you didn't see or hear anything at all. Nothing ever happened. And her daughter is standing right behind her listening to this. And I, I... does she just not feel bad that her mother murdered her father and she clearly knows? Nah, she's like, meh. Yeah. His name was Ruben. That's a sandwich. Later, she gets in her car and one of the guys, the one that was ju- that the one uh, criminal Mike, um, pops up from the back seat and holds a knife to her neck. He tells her it's payday. She says her money is all tied up and he tells her tough shit to figure it out. So she goes home and literally tears down the walls in the basement looking for money. The fuck? She finds it and rubs it all over herself. So that was fun to watch. (laughs) What the hell? Claire is still in the hospital and Ruben's daughter goes to see her. She's pretty catatonic, but she tries to talk to her about how much Ruben loved her. She tells Claire that they need her and to please come back. Finally, Claire speaks and says, quote, if it weren't for me, your father would be alive. She wouldn't have killed him. But Brooke says, no, without Claire, Ruben was never really living. And they hug. Oh. So maybe Claire's going to be okay. Um, Diane goes to visit head boyfriend and give him the money she found, $1,500. She yells at him again for involving other people. Like, I guess if you want a job right, maybe you should do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts to cry and ask her where his money is. And then he says, how sorry, then she says how sorry she is. And she didn't mean to yell at him. And when it's all straightened out, she will pay him what she owes him. And I was like, Oh honey, you're getting nothing. Like literally (laughs) nothing. Baby. You're in fact getting worse than nothing. You wish you were getting nothing. 
she tells him how much she needs him. Ew. And then rubs on his leg. Ew. And then she kisses him. Ew. So the cops find out that despite Diane telling head boyfriend that the $1,500 was all she had, she also deposited $4,500 into her bank account. That comes to $6,000. Crazy, right? I feel like you told me about $6,000 in case something happens to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Claire gets released from the hospital. Toby McGuire overhears the girls, Amy Smart and her friend, talking about the guys they think did it. And he confronts the dude, which takes balls. And the dude's like, no, I didn't, I didn't kill him. I just took the pictures. I'm sorry. You know, so things are falling apart really fast. Um, Mike, the criminal goes and creepily sits in his friend's car and ask him, asks him why they don't hang out anymore. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe because you're creepily sitting in his car. Like without him knowing that would turn me off. Um, And now Mike's the one running his mouth saying that he totally did it. So um, we go to Brooke's workplace and wow, Eric Dane was not as hot back then as he is now. (laughs) I'm glad to know that he is like a fine wine. When, why do men only get better looking with age? It's not fair. Um, He and Brooke, the daughter work together and he has a big old crush on her. So she unloads all of her problems on him. Like you do. Head boyfriend tries to sell Diane's wedding ring, but his coworker doesn't want it. He goes to talk to Mike the criminal, who is really unhappy he doesn't have his cash. So Brooke and Eric Dane sleep together, and she has a night terror about her dad. Um, Eric Dane chooses this time to ask her to marry him. And wow, five minutes in, and this girl has my dream life. Um, (laughs) So the police are watching Diane, and she knows it. She tells Shannon she can't take it anymore and cries to her about it. Like, I... Like, maybe don't kill your husband then. I, I don't know what to tell you. Shannon, okay, you're asking an awful lot of people. Shannon calls head boyfriend and asks to see him. Mike, the criminal's best friend, is starting to feel real bad about knowing the big secret. So things are not looking good for Diane. Shannon goes to meet with head boyfriend and asks for the details of the murder so she can put a confession in a suicide letter and jump off a bridge. And I just wrote, what the fuck? what she says she can't let the cops catch diane so you're gonna die so she's gonna like wait who is this going to confess the girl who worked for her yes so diane finds out about shannon's plan and tells her like begs her not to do it but not because she like cares about her or wants her to be alive because she thinks that if Shannon kills herself and confesses to the murder, they'll tie Diane to the crime anyway, and she'll still go to jail. I have at least 19 questions. Hmm. At least 18 of them are, what the fuck? Right? Now the band of boyfriends are wishing they'd never done this whole murder thing, and that is so sad. Um, They really did miss out on an opportunity to call this movie the Merry Band of Boyfriends. They did. Claire teaches Toby how to drive um brooke tells eric dane that she's pregnant and they decide to raise the baby together and he's going to show her what a real family is all about and so oh that's so cute one night at the peach pit mike and the criminal mike the criminal's best friend drops a bunch of dishes because he's so stressed out about what to do so he tells his co-worker about it and his co-worker calls and leaves a tip but doesn't leave his name or number he just says hey i have information please call me back <laughs> Use your car ID. Bye. 
But not to worry, because as the cops are leaving the room where they got the message, the guy is, like, standing in the hallway. He's like, why didn't you guys call me back? Bruh, that was not cool. <laughs> you left me on red. <laughs> um, so basically, the jig is up. The police go and pick up head boyfriend for questioning. He throws Shannon under the bus immediately, but then he backtracks just as immediately, saying he doesn't think she did it, but maybe she knows more about it. They back him into a corner and say they're sure he was involved. And he's like, oh, damn, what gave it away? <laughs> Literally, he says, what gave it away? Um, in real life, it's not much better. Oh, fuck me. In real life, he said, how do you know about the rings when they mentioned that she gave the wedding rings to him? <laughs> So they go and pick up Mike the criminal who is pissed. They arrest Shannon and finally they're like, we have to go get Diane. So they go to the school. Amazing. Diane is realizes that head boyfriend isn't there just as nine zillion cop cars pull up, sirens blaring. She yells at the class to sit down. Um, the cops rush down the hall and arrest her in the middle of class. Can you imagine trying to keep peace in a classroom while you're being arrested? I would be the asshole to do it, too. I said, sit down, all of you. You want to go with me? You want to go with me? Sit down. <laughs> they drag her out of the school while she screams that she didn't do it and this is not her fault. And boy, I hope this is really what happened. <laughs> <laughs> she starts screaming and crying and they arrest another one of the boyfriends, too. They dra um, So Claire watches the news with Brooke. Toby McGuire and Eric Dane about how the kids were charged as adults and Diane is free on bail. Well, yeah. Bitch, you don't have any money. She had that $4,500 she found in the wall. Magic wall money. Please tell me her $4,500 was not enough to get her out of jail. Oh, yeah. Her bail was $3,000 and she had enough to go to the peach pit and buy meal for all her boyfriends. God, please kill me. All the okay. ones who were still left. Um, at the trial... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Shannon escapes trial by agreeing to testify against Diane. At the trial, everyone sings like canaries. Head boyfriend is wearing a kicky, car kicky cardigan to try and look innocent. Like Menendez style? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Exactly like Menendez style. Um, he, Diane is at, still at home listening to the trial on the radio Head boyfriend testifies about what happened and how Mike, the criminal, shot Ruben twice. Head boyfriend gets life in prison and they take him away and chain him up. Brooke has her baby. Toby McGuire reads a poem that he wrote about his father to the court. I guess Diane decides she's going to flee, but unfortunately the cops are in her front yard again. So she just runs upstairs screaming, no, no, no. But I guess they catch her because when we see her again, it's at her trial. <laughs> I like the idea that there's an option that they don't catch her as she just <laughs> runs daintily upstairs. She puts the mason jars back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's at her trial. Shannon's testimony is extremely damning. So are all the boyfriends. Um, Diana's found guilty and the entire courtroom cheers except her youngest daughter who cries. Brooke goes over and tries to comfort her, but she pushes her away. Head boyfriend's mother approaches Brooke in the hallway of the courthouse to apologize for her son's role in the murder. And Brooke introduces her baby, Reuben. Oh. The family goes to put flowers on the grave with the detectives. Quote, Shannon Johnson was convicted of perjury. She was sentenced to 80 days in jail and two years probation. 
Joshua Yankee pleaded no contest to second degree intentional homicide in exchange for his testimony and was sentenced to 18 years in prison. Michael Maldonado was convicted of first degree intentional homicide, 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 and was sentenced to life in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 50 years. Douglas Vest Jr. was convicted of first degree intentional homicide and was sentenced to life in prison. He will be eligible for parole in 25 years. We see Diane sitting down to do an interview in her prison uniform. So, I mean, good for her, I guess. She says she doesn't know what she's supposed to be learning from all of this. And her question is whether Ruben had time to repent or whether his soul is lost forever. And I just get fucked, lady. Like, come on. Right. Um, quote, Diane Bor- Borchardt was convicted of first degree intentional homicide and was sentenced to life in prison. She will be eligible for parole in 40 years at the age of 86. And since this movie was made 25 years ago, I'm assuming you probably have updates to all of these sentences. So um, and there's actually not a whole lot of updates, but I do have some stuff. So take it away. All right. Um, so this case is bananas and bonkers. Yes. And um, they're every like, crime show you can imagine is has done an episode on her like snapped and crackled and popped and black widow killers and evil stepmothers and evil lives here and darkness lives evil lives here all, all of them i think have done one like there's just a list of them about her like just crazy um but i used medium.com did a really good article about her murder pity murder pedia um inquisitor and mylifeofcrime.wordpress.com which was just kind of an aggregate of a whole bunch of news clippings about her so um that was a really good resource um so in 1993 Anyone who met Ruben and Diane Borchardt would think that they were the perfect couple. They and their three children, Brooke, Chuck, and Reagan, lived in a beautiful home that Ruben had built himself. He was a self-employed carpenter. He was an like avid outdoorsman. He loved hiking and camping, and um, he was the kind of rugged kind of guy. Um, Diane was. She was not even a full teacher. She was a teacher's aide at the school. Yeah. Um, which is so bizarre to me that, like, the paras that I have worked with have been incredible. Like, I've been really blessed with some good paras, but they are too busy to have time to, like, get close to students. So, like, I don't know what the hell she was doing because they are more overworked than teachers are and they're paid hourly. So like, let that sink in. Excuse me. Bless you. Um, So, you know, the whole family was active in their local church and they were pillars of the community, which is a death sentence. If we've ever heard one. Sure is. Um, But, as like the last know, thing you ever want to be is a pillar of the community. Right? Between pillar of the community and perfect couple, I don't want to be either one of those things. Because, I also don't want to light up a room. Right? However, yesterday, I had... 
Yesterday, I had to go work open house at our school, and my job was to greet every parent who came on campus. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was like, why did they put me here? Because, like, I've already turned in my resignation. Everyone knows I don't want to be here. And it was, mm-hmm. like, a, it was actually recruitment because we we're a magnet campus. So yeah. it was, like, trying to convince people to come to our school. And I was like, why would they put the person who has definitely already resigned to greet everybody? And somebody was like, well, that's it's because you have such a big personality. And I was like, it's because I'm a big person. When you fill up a room, you have to learn how to fill up a room. Yeah. <laughs> So that's my excuse for filling up or lighting up a room. There you go. I've been forced into it. And not that I'm psychotic. Okay. I promise. I mean, the person that lights up the room is usually the victim. So. That's fair. Congrats. Yes. I've always wanted to be a victim. (laughs) I've been practicing my whole life for this moment. Good. (laughs) So in any case, um, so the, the Borshots, the Borshart's relationship basically was just like, skip the red flag and just go to the bolt of material you make red flags from. And that was their relationship. Great. Just from like day one. Um, Ruben met Diane just weeks after his first wife and the mother of his first two children. Um, so his older children Brooke and chuck were from a previous marriage to susan susan mm-hmm. had died in a like tragically in a car accident yeah just like weeks before he met diane um and so he was heartbroken and he was left to raise chuck and Brooke on his own and the story has a lot of this like similar vibes to do you remember that case that we did not too long ago that um I watched the evil stepmothers and then also the, um, I think it was an evil lives here about, and I told you they had like conflicting stories. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like your version of the story made her like a victim, but the evil stepmothers was from the stepdaughter's point of view and she mm-hmm. was being badly abused. It has very much vibes like that. This story does. Great. So, um, when they first met, Diane was working at a furniture manufacturing plant that Ruben would visit for his work while he was like constructing houses. He would, you know, stage homes and things. Um, and so she like straight up, she like funeral crashers to him. She heard that he had just lost his wife. So she stepped up to comfort him and she brought him cakes and casseroles and offered to watch his children and help him out around the house. And it's like, that's like a nice thing to do until, but they, it's not anymore. Right. So like, it is a nice thing when like my friends do it, but like when the woman that just checks me out at the furniture store, who I don't have an actual like, personal relationship with Mm -hmm. just shows up with a casserole and an offer to babysit it's a little more threatening to me i don't know (laughs) you know i can see that um so it didn't take very long for their relationship to turn from i like to turn to a sexual relationship um and pretty soon diane moved into ruben's home to watch the kids full time just like that other case i was just telling you about Mm -hmm. like moved in basically to be the nanny um and soon diane got pregnant so the two married right away um 
that's not what the that's not what a nanny is i yeah so you you should be able to nanny and also not get pregnant right right yeah this is not the au pair or abc family (laughs) (laughs) which i think is what freeform now i don't get that station so i don't know um so in october of 1979 they got married just like barely eight months after susan's death great Uh uh-huh so reuben's friends urge him to slow down they are pointing out like this relationship has moved very quickly and Mm -hmm. like you don't have to marry somebody just because she's pregnant like that's that's not a thing that has to happen rube like don't be a boob um don't be a boob rube (laughs) so um but reuben was desperately lonely and felt like he needed a mother for his toddlers and then this article said quote and diane could be very persuasive and i'm like is that your way of saying that she put out because well i mean i feel like Like, she's pregnant she was definitely putting out but also like like, is that the persuasion because yeah because that's okay i just love euphemistic writing like let's let's just call a spade a spade Mm -hmm. um after the wedding diane insisted that every trace of susan be gone from the home and so this is what i was mentioning earlier that's um, so weird all pictures and keepsakes were taken down and either thrown away or hidden no one was allowed to speak of her and the kids were required to call diane mom even like yeah um it's so gross and then she demanded that reuben and everyone else act as though she were their biological mother um and that basically like the past never existed life and time itself started when diane entered their lives and um his friends even pointed out to him that it was odd that she was jealous of a dead woman like yeah like you have no one to compete with diane and it's not like you know like yeah he will always love his first wife it's not like they divorced right don't be a bitch but like even if they had gotten divorced like i feel like well there probably wouldn't be like a romantic love there's probably something like that's the right your there's child. always I mean. history there yeah um so diane gave birth to reagan eight months later um and basically as soon as reagan was born the re- relationship went south because you know it was already so strong and healthy to this point i mean if you want to really really strengthening your relationship you should always have a baby right right um she was jealous and possessive of reuben um but she no longer wanted to have sex with him um she was verbally and i don't get it right okay she was verbally and emotionally abusive to reuben and to the older children but never to reagan Reagan was her child and she was treated as the obvious favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't even that Reagan was hers and Ruben's child. Reagan was her child. Right. Um, Diane returned to work once Reagan was in school and eventually got this job as a teacher's aide at the local high school. So she was the study hall monitor. And um, 
It said she was, <laughs> sorry, quote, she was especially popular with the students, particularly the boys. Mrs. B, as she was called, was known as a good listener and friend and would often hire students to work at her screen printing shop. Um, so I had to tell a student today, I'm not your friend. I'm not your buddy. No. D don't. Don't. Because this kid, uh, yes. That was either this, a dog or a child. <laughs> right. This kid, uh, ding dong ditched our house, uh, at 1130 the other night and woke my kid up and this was the same night that we had that tornado that i texted y'all that we were oh, yeah we'd already had to wake him up once to hide in the closet with him because yeah. the tornado came very close to our house um so why that kid was out of his home i have no idea but he had posted on snapchat i'm bored what should i do and somebody commented go ding dong ditch your teacher so he filmed it and put it on snapchat so I already suspected it was him, but another student came up and was like, did you get ding dong ditched? Cause that was kind of rude. And I was like, yep. So anyway, I was like, I'm not your buddy. Don't nope. ring the doorbell to my house. If you don't have a question for me and questions stop at 7 PM. Like, yeah. sorry. I don't love it at all. <laughs> so anyway, so meanwhile, like she is everyone's favorite teacher. Cause she's such a good friend and listener, but at sure. home, she is the literal worst. Mm -hmm. She went from verbal abuse to actual physical abuse. She would become enraged when Ruben wouldn't follow her directions. Um, and, or when he wouldn't do things the way she thought they should be done, including things like loading the dishwasher. Like, because like, here's the way I think the dishwasher should be loaded. Any way that I didn't have to do it this time. Yep. That's I don't understand right people way. that are like, that like want help from other people. And then when they get help, they're like, no, that's wrong. And they do it. Then like, uh, okay, then I'm not going to help you. See, and I am that person. You can't have it both ways. I am that person, but I know when I admit it. And I, in fact, told my therapist last week, like, that's why I don't do group projects. Mm -hmm. Be and... I'm willing to admit that I'm too type A for things like that. So I just don't delegate ever because right. I, like I'm too type A for that. But again, like then I don't do it. Right. If I want it done right and I'm going to do it myself, then I just, I don't pretend that I want someone else to do it for me. Right. But I don't. Now, cleaning my kitchen. Someone right. else can do it. I don't give a fuck how exactly. they do it. Or, I don't yeah. feel dishwashing is like, it's too inconsequential for me to care if you put I the cups care. in the right spot. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, they would have these screaming matches and she would start throwing things at him. Um, she would hit him with objects and leave bruises. Um, that escalated to her slapping him around and hitting him. Um, and he was a lot larger and stronger. Like he was your typical construction worker build. Mm -hmm. um, but he's not a dick, so he's not hitting his wife. Right. Um, he would do his best to block her or restrain her without hitting her, but she would still call the police and claim that Ruben hit her. So police were called to the house with like increasing frequency. Oh, Ruben, honey, get a divorce. So 
I forgot that I changed this woman's name because for the article, her name had not been named, like made public. So I just read this name and I was like, who the hell names their kid that? And then I was like, oh, it's me. I, I named her that. <laughs> so in 1993, Ruben was hired to do some kitchen cabinetry work for a young, attractive woman who was not named Jamantha. But that's what we're going to call her. Okay. Um, so she was married to the city manager, but as she confided in Ruben, the marriage was not a happy one. So that I think is something they didn't play up in the movie. It sounds like, but she was kind of for their city, kind of a high profile woman. Okay. Um, because like the city manager, especially in smaller towns is higher ranked than the mayor, you know? Yeah. Um, the city manager is higher ranked from the, than the mayor everywhere yeah so i know that like in kilgore the city manager is actually the one who does anything anything at all but we have an elected mayor who just has been passed around from family to family so we just don't even like pay attention to the mayor as a person anymore but there's some attention to the mayor but the city manager makes all the decisions right see as i say there are some places that still pay attention to the mayor and the like mayoral race matters i mean i like our mayor and he also lifts so he also what lifts like works out is like yeah okay i thought you meant he was like working uber part-time and i was like well that sounds like they need to restructure his pay. <laughs> this is our mayor. Oh, hey, I need to have a meeting with the <laughs> mayor of San Antonio. Um, it's very important mayoral business. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I got so sidetracked. So, oh yeah. So Jamantha confided that her marriage wasn't a happy Jamantha. one. So the two begin commiserating about their respective marriages and before long they fall in love and begin having an affair. Um, Over a family dinner that year, this is the worst part. So like in the movie, it sounds like Diane's confrontation was not like public, but in, in real life, it was over family dinner. Like, in front of the children. Can you imagine me and the kid and you're just like, oh my God, I want to disappear. Like, please, please, God, let me disappear right now. You're in the middle of passing the bowl of mashed potatoes and then you just hold it for the rest. You never put that bowl down. Like, you graduate high school with that bowl of potatoes still in your hand. Because <laughs> you never get over that shock. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, over dinner one night, he just announces that he's fallen in love with Jamantha and that he wants a divorce so he and Jamantha can be together. And Diane was so sweet. She just, she was like, you know, I get it. I want you to be happy. I never wanted this for either of us. I thought we were in love and it just didn't work out. So, like, we can I go tomorrow. That's not what happened. <laughs> no, that is absolutely not what happened. Not she happened. goes fucking ballistic Um, there it is she the attacks on like her physical attacks get more and more frequent and more violent she at one point threatens to and i'm going to just preface this that this is her words not mine she says i will bob it you and oh no 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 uh-huh no 
I was like, please refer to our episode about the poor victimization of Lorena Bobbitt because yes. we've had we had like I feel like a three hour conversation about that oh, poor wonderful woman. My God. Uh huh. No. Um. So then, Ruben confides in his sister in law that he is starting to fear Diane. He begins sleeping in the basement and placing jars on the steps as his kind of alarm system. Um, and it got so bad that Brooke, his daughter, who was now 18, but was still in high school, moved out to go live with a friend. She was like, I'm just not sticking around for any of this. Yeah, that happened in the movie, too. But the scene was so short. It was like, OK, well, it's not right. really. Um, so then. Then Diane. I just I can't even fathom, but she starts going to school. And play weeping in front of her students so that she can get some kind of upper hand in her marriage slash divorce this slash makes situation. No sense to me. And she's like, <laughs> "You're all seventeen. You shaved for the first time this week, so you'll totally get it." But <sighs> my husband cheated on me. <laughs> And then she peeks one eye between her fingers to see, like, who's looking. Yeah. Um, so she would cry in class and confide in her students that Ruben treated her badly, that he cheated on her, that he abused her. Um, so she gets, starts this very close relationship with Doug Vest, who I assume that's your head boyfriend? Yes. Okay. Um, he was 17 at the time um, and he had been voted the sweetest boy in class which is why I hate superlatives let's just not do them let's just cancel them yeah nationwide yeah Um, she also confided in Shannon Johnson who worked at her screen printing shop Um, and Oh, she also confided all this in Shannon Johnson, who worked at her screen printing shop, and who looked up at her as a sort of big sister. And I just said, no, don't do that. Ooh, you're oogie as fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's true. Then Diane solicited another one of her students to follow Ruben around and take pictures of him with Jamantha, so that Diane could use these as evidence at trial. Um, and so Diane wanted everything, not just the house, but custody of Chuck and Reagan too. Chuck and, oh yeah. Um, because Brooke was 18 at the time. So yeah. custody of Chuck and Reagan, she wanted full custody, even though she had flat out said that Chuck was not her son. Like, well, I mean, that's true. But. She had made, right. But then all of a sudden you're coming for custody when you had no interest in him before. Yeah. Um, so, uh, clearly it didn't work. In the divorce, she got custody of Reagan and was allowed to keep two of the family's three vehicles. Um, which, that's just too many cars. There, You can only drive one at a time. She had to have sold one and split it. Um, and then she got to keep her screen printing shop. Ruben got custody of Chuck and was allowed to keep his work truck as well as the house and the shop that he'd built well before he'd met Diane. Um and the judge ordered Diane to vacate Ruben's house by April 15th, 1994. Yes. So Diane, again, was just, she was just so Gracious. chill. Yeah. Just before that hearing, she, 
she um, had an edible just so she could be like in a good chill headspace. And then the the judge gave the ruling and she was like, I mean, that makes sense. I'm just going to pack my stuff and go. And, you know, maybe I'll start a new life somewhere else. And then it's weird when I was, my notes just end there. It's just three oh, pages of complete blank it. after that. Yep. Um, so needless to say, Diane was super furious. Yeah. Um, the fights get even louder and more violent on April 1st. They get into a shouting match in the screen printing shop where Diane calls him scum and shoves him like into a wall. And that evening she attempts to take Susan's sewing machine to sell it. Yes. Um, which prompts another fight. So the that's what cops... they were fighting over when she punched him in the face. Uh huh. So she calls the cops again, claiming that Ruben hit her, mm-hmm. and that's why the police tell her to find somewhere else to stay for the night. So she and she takes Reagan and the family dog, whom she had never taken that dog on a trip before. She had never even shown any interest. Yeah, because that, in that dog fucking hated her. Right? Because good reason. I often say that I don't trust people who don't like dogs and I always trust my dog when he doesn't like a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she takes Reagan and the dog and they go on a trip to visit Taking Susan's parents. Dumbass. Dumbass. Um, yeah. They're like, let's go on a road trip to Susan's parents, 200 miles away with, I don't, I don't want like why and why would if Susan's parents like yeah come on over <laughs> hey and I just want to get a pal around like oh god I don't understand any of this so yeah well you know and it puzzled everyone because she had made it in no uncertain terms how much she hated Susan and wanted every memory of her gone yeah um so then early in the morning of April 4th, a panicked phone call came to 911. Chuck told the operator that his father had been shot. The ambulance arrived to find Reuben covered in blood lying across a chair at the foot of the basement stairs. He was still alive, but just barely. And he managed to say two men before falling out, unco- like falling unconscious. Um, and so then he died while in the life flight to the hospital. God. Um, it's horrible. Back at the scene, the phone was unplugged and various items were, were like thrown around upstairs, but nothing of value had been taken. There was no sign of forced entry. Um, at the head of the stairs of the basement, police found two spent shells from a 410 shotgun. Good grief. So suspicion fell immediately on chuck who was the only right was the only other person who was home at the time um he also owned a 410 shotgun and he told police that he hadn't heard any gunshots only that he'd been awakened by the sound of his father's moans Mm -hmm. um which the police had a hard time believing and so um the police actually for once staged an experiment like they did one bout of good investigating just like to prove they knew how good for them <laughs> right um they put an officer up in chuck's bedroom while another one was down in the basement with a 410 mm-hmm. um to see if he could hear it and the 
the guy upstairs said that it was actually very quiet with the door shut. So it's most like super possible that Chuck slept through it. Um, so then depending on how heavy of a sleeper you are, like, right. A gun could go off in my room and I would sleep through it. I think I Um, wouldn't, but I'm um, a very heavy sleeper. I'm jealous of you. So, um, so then of course they had to figure out who it could be. Um, suspicions swirl around Diane, but she'd been 200 miles away at the time of the murder and police conveniently, right. Visiting people that she didn't know. Right. Um, police couldn't find any evidence of her involvement. And so a reward was offered for any information on the case, but nothing came out of that. So the case started to go cold. And then about five months after Ruben's murder, an anonymous tipster called the police. Uh, The person said that Diane had tried recruiting them to kill Ruben and had offered them $20,000, two cars and her wedding rings as payment. The caller said that they hadn't taken her up on it, but that maybe Doug best had. So police brought Doug in for questioning and at first he denied everything, but then they asked about the wedding rings and he said, quote, how did you know about the rings? Which is almost as bad as who told? What gave it away? (laughs) You, you gave it away. So after more questioning, Doug reveals the entire arrangement. He said Mrs. B had approached him multiple times about killing her husband. And Doug said he felt sorry for her since her husband treated her so badly. But he tried to ignore her. Um, and then she offered him $20,000. Right. Then she offered him $20,000, two cars, and her wedding rings if he would kill Reuben. While they were at the screen printing shop with Shannon present, she gave him $600 cash as an advance and drew a map of her house explaining that she would leave the shop door unlocked for him and pointing out where the guns were stored. Um, so afterwards, Shannon approached Doug and threatened him that he better not rip off Mrs. B or something would happen to him or his family. Was that in the movie? Was her threatening him? No. That's I love that detail so much. That's so fucked up. Uh-huh. So it was the money that convinced him, but he didn't know how to go about killing somebody. So he recruited his friend Josh Yankee, who was 16, and offered to split the money with him. But Josh also didn't know what he was doing. Um, like he was a straight A student who was never in trouble. So he was like, um, I dissected a frog one time. Yeah. Or as one of my students asked me the other day, do we have to digest frogs in high school? (laughs) And I was like, I I mean, no one's going to force you to. This is why you don't (laughs) let kids do anything. (laughs) Right? Especially murder for you. Because that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Um. So Doug turned to the other person he knew who had some experience, his cousin, Mike, who like you said, the movie makes it seem like he was quite a bit older than the other kids. Mm-hmm. He was not quite a bit, but like older. He was 15. He was the youngest of them. He just like, like Doug was like, I'm just going to keep going down. I'm just, I, I'm going to find an 11 year old if I need to. 
It's like it's like the fucking child crusades. God. So, um, Mike had dropped out of school. All of this just goes to show how freaking immature they were, and how they probably should not have been charged as adults for this crime. Because right, like, look, look at this fucking mess that um, they did. Uh, yeah, especially because Mike had dropped out of junior high school. Like, like he had. I didn't only even know made... you could drop out of junior high school. I didn't think you could either. That might that might be new. That you can't. I don't know. Um, there's no way to find out. So Mike said, like Mike had already had a like criminal record at this point. And he said he knew exactly what to do. So they catch a ride to Milwaukee where Mike buys a sawed-off 410 shotgun from one of his gang connections. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, in the early morning hours of April 4th, they let themselves into the Borchardt home. And when they arrive, Mike grabs the shotgun and says, let's do this, and leads the way. And I like to believe he had, like, some badass soundtrack playing in his head. I, in fact, I'm choosing to believe it is Wheel in the Sky from Journey, that that is what was playing in his head as he was marching through this. I mean, I'm going to assume it's something from a kid's movie since none of them are old enough to watch a movie that's rated R. (laughs) Wheel in the Sky, keep on turning. And then he's got like the 410, like, or Queen Bicycle, just because he thinks it's a funny song and he has no idea what it means. Oh, that would be good. At first, they couldn't find the shop door that Diane said would be unlocked, so they tried breaking into another door, sure. which they couldn't do. No. Uh, <laughs> they had some, like, chewing gum and a bobby pin, and they were like, I'm going to break this lock. Like, <laughs> breaking into places is hard, okay? Like <laughs> A credit card, but they were just swiping in the door frame. They didn't know that you had to, like, jiggle the door to it. You know what? I'm not going to tell criminals how to do their jobs. Yeah. Um, Let's so not. finally, they found an unlocked garage door and entered the home. So Josh like, was also. How are they not making so much noise? <laughs> They're just like jiggling handles all the way through the house. Like, <laughs> how are they not making just an unbelievable racket? Like, they're at the wrong house at first. Like, was she one one two one or one one three one? Fuck. <laughs> Some like old dude comes to the door and like. Oh, he's not here. Uh, he lives down the street, actually. <laughs> God damn it. So then, uh, let's see. So Josh's job was to undeal- unplug the phone and to deal with Chuck if Chuck woke up. But then... <laughs> also, like, don't these kids... Okay, in the movie, these kids all go to school with Chuck. Uh-huh. Okay. How are they th- going to think they're going to wake this boy up and deal with him but like also he's not gonna know exactly who the fuck they are well josh can't even do that he unplugs the phone and then he panics and goes and sits in the car for the rest of the event (laughs) i just feel like as a teacher's age you should have known better than to give this job to children because you know what teenagers half-ass their homework and they're gonna half-ass that murder too come on like at this point like when everything falls apart diane your only response at this point is like that's on me yeah you know that's on me (laughs) yeah 
totally fucked up. So, um, so then Doug also said that he was going to go sit in the car and let Mike finish it. But Mike what was, is this? Like everyone's like, "Peace out! I'll be in the car." <laughs> Mike was like, "No, bro, I'm going to Seven Eleven." Mike was like, "No, bro, like I'm here for you. Like I don't know, I don't know anybody involved. I'm not trying to get involved. I'm not about. I'm not trying to like get in with the teacher." She's not been rubbing my leg. I haven't had one wet dream about her. This is for no. you. Like, and so she's not even hot. She's so, not even hot. So when they got to the basement stairs, Ruben was already awake and starting up the stairs because I would like to believe well, they were like, like think clomping around. <laughs> because you know that uh, Doug was like, Mike, I can't do it, man. I gotta go sit in the and Micah's like, keep your tone the fuck down. What is wrong with you? Like, she's not so, even hot. So then, uh, Doug says that Mike pulled the trigger, sending Reuben falling down the stairs. That didn't kill him, so Mike had to shoot him a second time. Then they ran out of the house. I mean, no, he did not have to shoot him a second right, time. Right. He he definitely chose that. He woke up that morning and chose chaos. So, um. So then they ran out of the house and they speed away. And as they drive, they toss out the gloves that they were wearing and the shotgun. And they drive all the way to Milwaukee where they, Doug and Mike order cheeseburgers at a diner. And Josh says he's too upset to eat. At the peach pit. Yep. At the peach pit. Or the max. So, um, the weeks and months move on, and then the payment isn't forthcoming. So Ruben's sister files a wrongful death suit against Diane, which freezes his life insurance payout. Um, and so tensions are high, tongues are loosened, and then they got this tip through the police line. Um, mm-hmm. So that led to Doug's confession on September 28th, 1994, Police went to the high school and arrested Diane and Josh. They couldn't find Mike right away because he had fled to Texas and was arrested shortly thereafter. The, I mean, of all the places to go, don't come Texas, here, right? Yeah, don't come here. Texas will ship you straight back. Like they we will literally fuck. find you. Yeah, we will find you and we will send you right back to where you came from. <laughs> just like I believe that the Texas Rangers. We do Rangers, not fuck with that shit here. <laughs> I believe the Texas Rangers carry a rubber stamp that says "Return to Sender." Yeah. Just like, like before they arrest you. Right. <laughs> um, so. Stick you in the Pony Express right back yes, to where you came yes. from. <laughs> um, so the teens go to trial first and Josh attempts a plea deal. He. Why was nobody. Sorry. So he attempts a plea deal. He pleads no contest to second degree intentional homicide and provides testimony against the other two in exchange for recommended sentence of 13 years. But after he gives his testimony and everything, the judge looks at this and he's like, nah, bruh. And he basically says this crime is too heinous and gives him the full sentence of 18 years. Well, that's the thing. Like, so when you're doing a plea bargain, right? It's a like gamble. The judge has the final say, right? Yeah. Um, but I just like want to know what attorney told him. Like, oh yeah, this is definitely going to go through because, like, you got to know your judge. Yeah. My 
my attorney says a good attorney knows the law. A great attorney knows the judge. Yeah. It's true. So um, he was granted parole in 2006. Okay. So he's out and about. So um, Doug was offered the same deal, but seeing what happened to Josh, he was like, nah, I'll go to court. Nah, I'm busy. That was dumb. (laughs) So it did not go well. And he was convicted of first degree intentional homicide and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years. So Shannon, who witnessed the negotiations and threatened Doug, was convicted of perjury and sentenced to 80 days in jail and two years probation. And Mike was not offered a plea deal at all. He went to court where his defense was that he had been a home, been home asleep during the time of the murders. Yeah, he, he they they show that in the movie. And and, like, oh, honey. And they're like, can anyone verify this? And he's like, my, my bed. My bed. Do, do do your mom do your mama watch you sleep? Do you? why would why would people watch me sleep like it's the worst defense i've ever heard and like can't go anywhere um so the jury doesn't buy it obviously he's convicted of first degree intentional homicide and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 50 years yeah um and then diane's trial was much more extensively covered um so many people in their area said that she could not possibly be guilty of conspiring with teens to have her husband killed. And um, her defense was that the only evidence against her was the testimony of the teens who'd actually killed him. Um, and that they had co- like concocted this story to blame her, basically copying the P- Pamela Smart case. Yeah. So they were like, the, they all they just saw this on TV and they copycatted it. Yeah. Um. So this defense made no sense though because there's no other explanation as to why the teenagers would have been in their home because yeah. there's it's not an instance of a robbery gone bad. The boys would have gotten shorter sentences than they than for intentional homicide. Mm-hmm. And their like their defenses would have been crafted around a um well like a burglary, you know like yeah yeah like their defense would have been that they were intending to break in and that that would have been public record for the court and like that could have been brought in as evidence for her but mm-hmm. they none of their defenses were ever that they were trying to stage a robbery it was all that always that they were doing what she had hired them for right um and since nothing had been stolen there was no discernible motive um so the boys testimony each remained consistent and shannon testified to witnessing the negotiations and the exchange of the 600 dollars cash so then even more damning doug's cousin tim quintero testified against diane Tim told the court that she had tried to solicit him to commit the murder, offering him the same payment. He testified that she had also drawn a map of her home and then he still had it. So he presents it to the court and it's analyzed by a handwriting expert and it is found to be uh, most likely drawn by Diane. No way. Right. 
Color me surprised. So in the end, she was found guilty of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, intentional homicide, and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 45 years. So that means she won't be eligible for parole until 2035 when she'll be 86 years old. Um, and so um, while in prison, she changed her name back to Diane Fister. And um, she maintains her innocence to this day. Cool. But like, she knows everyone knows that she definitely did it, right? <laughs> I'm just curious. Right. So, um, in the end... Douglas Vest, who was 16, received a life sentence... Michael Maldonado, who was... Sorry, Douglas Vest was 16. Michael Maldonado, who was 15, received a sentence of 18 years. Josh Yankee, who was 16, received a sentence of 18 years. And Shannon Johnson, who was 20, received 88 days in jail with two years probation. And then, of course, Diane's sentence was also life sentence. Um, So... Mike was initially sentenced to life in prison, but then, but then I have that he received 18 years. So I don't know if I mistyped cause I had like a rundown at the end. I don't know if I mistyped his sentence. Like mm-hmm. I think I flipped his and, um, someone else's. Yeah. His and the other kid, his um, and Doug's. I think I flipped his and Doug's. No, not Doug's. Um, the other kid, Josh. the other kid got 18. Yeah. Well, Josh got 18 years, but, and Doug got 25, but I put that yeah. both Michael and Doug received, uh, I put that Doug received a life sentence and Michael 18 years. So I just must've gotten in a hurry in and the, type things wrong. In the movie, he got, he got life with a minimum of 50. Yeah. So in, he got, to review that Mike got life with a minimum of 50 Doug got life with a minimum of 25. Um, and then Josh got 18 years, but he got parole in 2006. Wow. So the moral of this story and the, of the case that we did similarly before is don't hire teenagers to do much of anything, but like mow your yard and take fast food orders. Yeah. Bag your groceries. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Don't hire teenagers to do anything that can go, like, terribly wrong. Right. Because it probably will. And definitely don't hire teenagers to murder anyone, because they're going to fuck it up so bad. Right. All right. Well, tell me what you're reading right now. I am reading. Oh God, I have not been reading because I've been bad. I'm actually going to read tonight. Ooh, I'm judging point. you. No, I can't think of the name of the book. It happens. Damn it! Hold on. Excuse me. Since I just got a new phone, my freaking like everything i'm signed out of everything now uh-huh. i have to go re-download all my stuff and then i'm signed out of everything and now they want a code and <sighs> that worst yeah what are you reading 
I um just finished You Had Me at Ola, okay. which is an adorable little romance um, that um, just adorable. I heard it on um, What Should I Read Next? And then okay. I also heard it Maybe I heard it a couple of times on um, What Should I Read Next, which is my favorite podcast. Um, but it is a novel about a telenovela actor. Okay. Um, and so I just, I've always loved telenovelas growing up. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of them. Um, so the the lead actress um jasmine has this really messy breakup she's Mm -hmm. like splashed across the tabloids and she's having to kind of reinvent herself um she's a she's a soap opera actress and so she gets cast alongside this ashton suarez and it's this you know just this series of unfortunate comedy of errors type situation that leads to this adorable little romance um, which i'm not a big romance reader but i'm trying more and more this year to expand my horizons um i enjoyed it a lot more than the bromance book club um i did not want to lay down in traffic as i read this one so, um but um Alexis Daria was a is a much better author. I mm-hmm. also um I also I think identify more with the characters who are in telenovelas than professional baseball players who were the characters in um the bromance book club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something to be said for that. So I'm reading Too Good to Be True. Um it was one of my book of the month picks and it is about a girl um who suffers from like really bad OCD um she gets engaged to her much older boyfriend and um but through throughout the book you you learn like he's actually married he's already happily married and he's using his relationship with this girl for like a um like a bad reason I don't know the reason yet so oh I hate that so yeah and then and then it also um it also tells like a third story of basically or not a third, but like kind of a second story of 30 years earlier when um, I guess that I, I think it's who ends up becoming the guy's first wife or the wife he's married to okay. is like they're, he, they're dating each other and they're teenagers and she's trying to like end things with him. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I love dual timelines. Mm-hmm. I love any time a book plays with timelines. So, like, I love yeah. condensed timeline. If a book takes its place over a series of two or three days, I love that. Yeah. And I love really extended timeline, like, if it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if there's, like, multiple timelines going on, I love those. I love any time an author yeah. can play really well with time. Mm-hmm. And then I just yes. started Infomocracy, mm-hmm. um, which is hitting a little close to home. Great. Yeah, so it is um, uh, in a futuristic world where um, basically a Google type company, oh, not you, cancel. So where most people have a shmexa in their room, I have a shmoogle. 
Uh-huh, a schmoogle. And um, so a schmoogle-type company runs the entire world of America or maybe beyond. I can't tell if it's the whole world or just the nation. Um, sure. But that means they also control the amount of information that gets out. And so it's kind of about the seedy underbelly of these people who steal information by hacking into websites and trade the information. And um, the government tracks you based on the information you know. And so like um, the the bootleggers of this community are bootlegging information that the government doesn't want you to know and doesn't want you to get out. Um, but like the it's been two election cycles now and basically this schmoogle corporation has been elected the president like the corporation has been elected the president of this yikes country or world yeah <laughs> i'm only in chapter two but it is so good so far yes yikes but it looks it sounds good though it is very good like i said so far and it's got great awesome. reviews Awesome. I need to get a new audiobook. I have a credit, but I haven't, I, like I said, I've been very bad. So, <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to tell the folks where they can find us? Sure. You can find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence, on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. We're at fa- on Facebook at facebook.com slash Lifetime Sentence. We are on TikTok at Lifetime Sentence. You can email us at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com or you can email us from our website. You just click the little email button. We'd love to hear from you and not another solicitor asking us to buy things. Um, what else? I, I think that's it. Is that it? Oh, Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com oh, Patreon. slash Lifetime Sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun oh, times. Absolutely. Um, Aaron told us some ghost stories today so it was a I nice did. change yeah um all right well everybody thanks for joining us we yes. love you so much and um please remember to rate and review and subscribe please it helps us show up in metrics and um yeah. i think metrics are good things you know we're american so we don't use the metric system but i understand mm-hmm. that metric is good and we want to be in the metrics i want to be where the metrics are I want to be, want to be charting. Um, Yes, I do want to be charting. So anyway, um, until next time, please don't forget to eat every single one of your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye.